timer's set. Let's do this thing, shall we? All right, let's do this. Timer's running. We got a ton of time tracking follow up. Yeah, we did. It's it seems like uh, it seems like from the Reddit and from various other sources of feedback that time tracking is a topic a lot of people were interested in and a lot of people had a bunch of questions about. Yeah, it's not surprising because it is it's an interesting idea mm-hmm. and it's one of the things that I think you know as we were kind of pushing towards that everyone can do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And but it's just depending on how you want to do it, right? And we got a bunch of questions. One of them was students should students track their time? And I wonder what you think about this because I have no idea because I've never been one. <laughs> I mean, you've gone to school at some point, Mike. Yeah, but it was not like it was important. <laughs> you know, like I I quit when the school got important. <laughs> All right, so you, you stopped right after they they taught you how to read and how to tie your shoes. I was out of there. Right, which I think is wh- is where the marginal utility of school starts to rapidly decline is after those two points. <laughs> <laughs> I went to sweep chimneys, man. I, I was I was I was straight out of there down the coal yeah. mine. <laughs> there were a number of students who were actually asking about about this, and I would say that if I was in college or university now, with the level of technology that we have now versus when I was actually in college or university, uh, I would totally do some kind of time tracking around, at at the bare minimum, study hours. In the same way that before I started embarking down this goal of trying to time track all of my waking hours, uh, I used to just keep track of the most core important things, which was primarily writing and podcast recording. Uh, I think the equivalent to that of being a student is studying. Like that is the core prime activity that you want to record. And I would suspect for any students who are listening to the podcast, if they do that, they would probably have a similar reaction that you did last time, where you were describing on the previous episode, if I can summarize it, like a a feeling of relief at realizing that you are not actually working all day, like every waking moment of your life, that you just have these times that are, are punctuated and it, your brain kind of tricks you into feeling like you've been doing a thing all day. Uh, I definitely know that in when I was in university, there were days that I almost certainly felt like, oh God, I've been studying all day. But what really happened is I was probably in the library all day which is a very different thing from studying all day. And so I I think that there would definitely be real value to be gained around a better understanding of how much time are you really actually studying. And if if I was a student, I would would totally track at least that. I mean, what's the utility, though? Because I guess with the way that we're doing it, so we can maximize our efficiency for our work would you say it's a similar kind of idea like to maximize your study time my my view on this is the time tracking is is beneficial because it increases my awareness of what am i doing with my time and i think that is a thing that i find valuable in and of itself and it's, it's a thing that, that seems to me to be much more valuable the more time that I am tracking. It's just simply an awareness 
of exactly how am I really spending my time. And we only have a limited amount of time. You know, grains of sand passing through an hourglass toward the end. Like it is a non-renewable resource. And I think that this is really helpful in all directions of achieving anything. And, and so, for, like, for example, a total non-monetary thing that I'm, I'm doing, but I've, I've been working over the last couple months to try to increase the number of books that I read. Uh, like, I'm not entirely happy looking over my book list for the last couple years of how many books are on there. And this is, this is a case of, like, is that a monetary value? I mean, like, it's sort of related to my work, but not really, not in a directly effective way. And the time tracking is just a case of being mindful of, of how much time am I actually spending on that. And, you know, I can say, like, oh, here's a bunch of time where I was reading, or here's a bunch of time when I wasn't reading. Like, were there other other activities that were taking up that time that could have been better spent? And uh, particularly if you're being really honest with the time tracking and putting in like wasted time in some sense, I, I feel like it's helpful in constraining wasted time because it's like, well, if I want all of the days to be as full as they can be of time tracking, like I'm going to have to put this on here of like, what am I doing or what am I not doing? So I mm. feel like it is a generally useful mindfulness and like self-direction tool in addition to just being about like the bottom line and trying to increase efficiency here's my concern with that like with the tracking of everything if you are very aware of the worth of your time because of the calculations that you've done by tracking everything don't you run the risk of not spending enough time doing things that aren't working don't you just look at those reports and be like I spent three hours playing video games because you actually see what it is. And then you're like, could that not have been three hours spent trying to write a script? Like, isn't there a risk in that? Like, I see the number of hours that I work every day. I don't know how many hours I'm awake, really. So mm -hmm. maybe it's like the rest of the time, like sitting and binging on Parks and Recreation isn't a problem for me because I don't see it in hard numbers. This sort of gets to the thing that I, I mentioned last time briefly, which is I, I have these two categories of uh, like for recreation, a kind of like intentional recreation and like an unintentional recreation. I'm working on refining a bunch of these categories over time. And what I, what I feel like those two categories really are is recreation and entertainment time that I can purely unadulteratedly feel good about and recreation time where I feel like... Mm, Maybe there's something else I should be doing. And so my view on it is like, oh, okay, this is a this is a helpful thing for me to try to move as as much of my non-working time into like a higher state of enjoyment versus non-enjoyment. And, and like that's that's what this is. But there's if you're doing calculations of how much is your time worth like well there's there's no way that you can possibly be working all day every day in a sustainable way and if you if you think that you are mistaken or if you are able to do that you are a totally lucky genetic freak like you are different from the rest of us and like that's that's not what a normal person's life is like how do you decide how much recreation time you get though well, I mean, at the moment, I'm I'm still in the early phases of this. I am not making any real intentional decisions about how much work versus non-working 
time is is occurring. I'm I'm still mostly in the recording and just trying to see what like is naturally happening over time. But at least for me and and I would suspect for other people who are self-employed in extreme ways where like you are in control over your own schedule what i'm more keeping in mind is a diminishing returns on the working time so like if i'm if i'm working on a thing like let, let's let's say mike let's say you and i we wanted to record like 10 podcasts in a single day it's like okay we could do one we could maybe do two but probably by the time we get to podcast three, there's a severe diminishing returns in there. Like you just We're done. Like you just you just can't keep going yeah. at a certain point. And I and I feel like lots of high intensity work, if you if you pay attention to your mind, has a kind of natural point that is a diminishing return. Like in, in my winter review when I was doing a lot a lot of like meta work sort of working on the work and thinking through systems and setting up the time tracking and doing all these other things it wasn't a it wasn't a question of like how many hours of recreation do i get it was coming from entirely the opposite perspective of i'm doing some high intensity work when do i feel like i have kind of run out of steam for this and i need to shift to a different activity right be that going to the gym right or be that goofing off and playing video games like it's that i feel like it's it's coming from a, an opposite question like i i would i would like to have the work hours in my life be maximally effective and and i feel like that's the thing that i'm i'm trying to pay attention for not necessarily aiming for like oh boy you know my billing rate is x dollars per hour let me try to maximize in every possible way the sheer number of hours per day that work is occurring and and so i think with anybody who's doing the time tracking like if you're a student tracking your time or, or anything i feel like this is one of the big benefits to get is like is not just not just a record of hours but a sense of the effectiveness of those hours and and i feel like tracking the time forces you to pay attention to what were you really doing and, and that's why I think like the studying is a great place to start because it, I think it forces you to be honest if you're running a little timer of like, was I really studying for the last 15 minutes or was I kind of dancing around studying for the last 15 minutes? And if the latter, then it's like, okay, well, that doesn't count and sort of start again and, and try to get in like a real solid block of actually doing like high quality work on the thing that you're attempting to do. How is it going for you, Mike? So I have been recording for about, I'm in my fourth week now. Mm -hmm. So my data is becoming more stable. I have logged about 84 hours of work so far into Toggle. And I'm feeling pretty good about it. A lot of the assumptions that I made last time um, are holding true about where my time is being spent. Mm -hmm. I'm finding that I could probably have maybe four to five hours of my time taken away um, on just the basic things that we would want to give to an assistant, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. I feel like lines up with the kind of around 10 hours a week we wanted to give because that person coming in initially, it would take them longer to do the stuff that I do than me because they would be learning, right? 
and then over time you would kind of that would take them less time and then you'd find new tasks for them to do so i feel like the goal has been achieved i feel personally i feel like that uh i've found enough of my time to to give to somebody and the the statistics of like editing to recording mm-hmm. so in the last three and a half weeks so it's been about three and a half weeks I've spent 35 and a half hours recording shows um, and I've spent 21 hours editing shows hmm. and about 12 hours preparing. Hmm. Okay. Those numbers are not based lining up based on my original expectations, but they are lining up based on what week one taught me. Right. Okay. I, I see. Like, okay. So you did the first week of time tracking. Yep. And then that allows you to sort of project forward with a, with a somewhat reasonable basis to start. Or at least a, like a data point to start with. Exactly, and that that seems to have rung true. As you know, it's about two thirds of the recording time in editing, um, mm-hmm. and what I you know what I saw is about a third of the time recording in preparation. Uh, and again, mm-hmm. I remain very happy with the preparation number. Um, I am mm-hmm. less comfortable with the editing number. Um, right, and I'm thinking about that now. Like, what can I do about that? When I am editing now, I'm being more conscious of the time that I'm taking. Um, mm-hmm. And not that I'm rushing it, but trying to be more efficient with it um, and just seeing what sort of things I can do there. So mm-hmm. that has been that has been useful um, so far. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing that I was interested to see is kind of on a breakdown of shows, how all that stuff works out. And again, I am, uh, I'm happy to kind of look at that and I feel that what I'm seeing from that, so from the reporting based on like how long each show is taking me, I'm not concerned about that at all because that is lining up exactly how I expected and wanted. So the shows that we have the largest audiences for, the shows that make the most money are the shows that I'm spending the most time on, and then it goes down from there. And that feels like the right kind of thing for me to be doing with that. Yeah, that feels like the correct way that it, it should be ordered. And it's good to see that in the actual data. Yeah. Do you want to reveal how many hours it took the last Cortex to be made? Can you yeah, pull I that do. information up? Yep, I'm going to bring <laughs> it up. The last Cortex took 8 hours and 12 minutes and 44 seconds in total. <laughs> from recording, editing, preparation, and posting. Mm-hmm. It's a bunch of time. It's a lot of time. But I think it's worth it, Mike. I think it's worth it. I do, too. I mean, and again, like it, that might change when it comes to working out like what my time is worth. Mm-hmm. But based upon what I expect, that is that makes perfect sense to me. But just that shows you, uh, ladies and gentlemen, that it takes eight and a quarter hours to get you 90 minutes. <laughs> That's why we do it every two weeks. Yeah, this is all the editing time. Mike requires uh-huh. to make me sound like a normal, coherent person. Uh-huh. That's, that's that's what's occurring. Hundred percent, what that is. It was only uh, one hour of recording and then seven <laughs> hours of editing. Yeah, I'm, I'm real incoherent when I record, <laughs> and Mike Mike is piecing together individual words to make sentences. Yeah, rearranging <laughs> words in sentences. It's I just have a bank of words and I just put them all together. It's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm just pulling up my report for the last 30 days and yeah again it's it is very interesting to me to attempt to do this thing of recording all of the time and i would be interested to hear uh in the comments if anybody else is is attempting to do a similar thing because i am endlessly fascinated by how surprisingly hard 
it actually is to record a full day. Like in in theory, right, there should be something like 16 hours tracked a day because that's about as long as I'm going to be awake. Uh, and it is so hard to actually get to that because there are so many kinds of projects that I'm working on where it feels like, what is this thing that I'm doing right now? Like, how, how would this get categorized? Or things that I'm aware of that are, are like transition times where you're switching from one thing to another and you're sort of in between two tasks. And it's interesting just trying to find the balance of mm. recording things without being a crazy person yep. and recording lots of little categories that don't matter. Yeah, one of these for me was listener feedback. I started to track that, but it's impossible for me to track that because that would be like tracking two seconds, right? To like, or, you know, like to, in the time it takes for me to send a tweet or to, you know, to favor tweet or to reply to an email. Like it's, it's, that would be way too many entries of really short time that I figure it's not worth, it's not worth doing. Cause plus as well, when it's like Twitter, well, I'm also slacking off at the exact right. same time that these tweets will come through. So it, that was just too difficult for me to track going forward. Yeah, and I had a I had a moment like this just the other day where I was I was really aware of like so so here's the thing that I'm doing. I'm sitting on the couch with my wife. We're sort of half watching a TV show, but I'm also replying to a bunch of comments in my subreddit and talking to some people on Slack. How is this activity to be categorized? There is no meaningful, useful way to describe this period of time. It's supposed to be watching a TV show. And yeah, then you that's... can get from that everything you need to know. Yeah, and, and it's like that is a perfect case of like, well, okay, here was an hour or two of time that was useful in a bunch of ways, but is impossible to consistently and meaningfully categorize. And, and so that's time that I felt like, okay, well, I'm just letting that go. But it's a perfect example of, of a, like a mixed kind of thing. I, I have, for anyone else trying this experiment, I have come up with two like useful rules of thumb for difficult to categorize time, though. And one of these is, okay, I'm, th I'm thinking of things like sort of my equivalent of a commute. Now, many things that I do are within walking distance of where I live. But I was like, okay, how am I going to track exercise time because there's there's many different categories here it's like well am i tracking the literal minutes in the gym that i'm exercising am i tracking the entire time that i'm in the gym or am i tracking like the time that it also takes me to get ready to go to the gym right like it's it's not an immediately clear answer and my rule of thumb for this kind of stuff is as soon as the transition starts start recording i have finished activity a i am now deciding like i am going to the gym timer starts now until i'm finished and if that means that it includes like packing up the gym clothes and, and walking down the street to the gym like that's fine because what i'm trying to capture is not really the literal minutes that i'm exercising i'm trying to capture the total amount of time out of my life that exercise takes do you track the time in which you're trying to convince yourself to go to the gym, but instead you're coloring. <laughs> Do you track that time? Because that's that's time that is included in my gym time. 
See, that's not... Okay, I was going to say, this sounds like a very specific question, uh, not a general question for a, a person in particular. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have a category that's like essentially a version of wasted time, which always gets filled in retrospect, which is I intended to do a thing and failed. And then I recognize, like, okay, well, look back in the clock and see what, like, when was the, the point that the last time we stopped? And then Phil, like, from that moment until now, you failed time, mm. right? That, that's essentially what that is. So, no, coloring in your coloring book and not going to the gym, but thinking about going to the gym, at least the way I track things, I would not actually put as gym time in my system. I, I wouldn't recommend that. FYI, I'm back on the coloring train. <laughs> I didn't know you ever left. <laughs> This episode of Cortex is brought to you in part by FreshBooks. The working world has changed. With the growth of the internet, there's never been more opportunities for the self-employed. And to meet all your needs, FreshBooks has been working tirelessly on an all-new version of their cloud accounting software. The new FreshBooks has been redesigned from the ground up and is custom-built to work exactly the way you do. You'll be able to be more productive and organized while also getting paid Quickly. The all-new FreshBooks is not only ridiculously easy to use, it's also packed full of powerful features. You can create and send professional-looking invoices in less than 30 seconds, all built with a WYSIWYG interface so you'll see them exactly the way your client will. You can set up online payments with just a couple of clicks, and you'll be able to see when your client has seen your invoice. No need for guessing games, no chaser emails. FreshBooks is the easiest way to get paid, and it's the fastest way to get paid. If you invoice someone using FreshBooks, on average, your client will pay four days faster than if you just send them an email asking for the money they owe you. That's not very effective at all. FreshBooks, it's super easy to get paid. All of these features are coupled with a beautiful redesign focusing on simplicity, clarity, and giving you a bird's eye view of your business at all times. No more guessing what's owed or overdue. You can just see it all. Now, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day unrestricted free trial to listeners of this show. Just go to freshbooks.com slash cortex and enter cortex in the how did you hear about us section so they'll know you came from here. That's freshbooks.com slash cortex. Thank you so much to FreshBooks for supporting the show and all of Relay FM. The other just quick rule of thumb that I have found useful is... If there is a situation where I'm, I'm recording some time that could possibly be two different things, uh, so it's not a, a multifaceted, ambiguous thing like like the thing I was saying before. Um, but let's say I'm having a like a meeting with someone, and there's a question about is like this 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 meeting that I'm having with the person. It's like half a social meeting and it's half a business meeting. Like which one is the thing? Under those circumstances, my rule of thumb is just to put it in the less frequently tracked category of whatever it could be if I'm trying to choose between two different activities. What do you mean by less frequently tracked? So it's like if, if I have a category which is, say, uh, like social time and I have another category which is business planning time and I'm having a meeting with someone that could be both of those things. Whichever of those categories I have less tra time tracked for in the system, I will count that towards the the one that is less it's got to be social time right oh yeah yeah, yeah. let's just check in <laughs> i have those two rules of thumb not because they're the correct way to do it but they exist to cut down on the thinking and the ambiguousness 
in any situation as far as time tracking goes. Yeah, the rules are good because, like, do you end up with 25 seconds of thinking about time tracking before you track any action? And then at that point, it's like it's starting to work against itself. Exactly. Like one of the key things here and one of the very reasons why I'm using Toggle is this is all about speed and ease of entry. Like it has to be a really fast no brainer to start a timer for a particular activity. And like if you're going to spend any brain power at all filing away the thing that you're doing like this becomes, I think, totally self defeating. So that that's why I eventually settled on those two rules as when situations came up that were a little bit unclear, either of these rules most of the time resolves whatever it is that I'm, I'm attempting to do. And, and again, particularly with the exercise thing, it's like, I'm concerned about how much time does this take out of my life? Like, if I wasn't exercising, if I wasn't going to the gym, I wouldn't be getting ready to go to the gym and walking to... The, so it's like, I would be getting all that time back. So I think it's a fair thing to represent in that way. So those those are the those are my rules of thumb so far. I want to give a shout out to someone in the Reddit. Why why is this so funny, Mike? Is that what you do now? She gives shout outs to people? I don't know. Isn't isn't that the, the word? No, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a shout out shout referencing out, yep. someone. I don't know. Uh shout out to <laughs> Reddit user Ego Ready. Uh-huh. Ego Ready in the Reddit, left a comment that I am really grateful for. He proposed an alternate name for my year of new mm-hmm. as year of redirection. And I thought this was fantastic because uh, li- listening back to the previous show, I was just so aware of I am doing a terrible job of attempting to explain like what what am I going for here. And just like I mentioned with the quarterly reviews and trying to change that word into season i think a large part of it was like new was just not quite the right word and that ends up like coloring the way that i'm thinking about things but i feel like year of redirection is the label that i was not able to come up with on my own but someone else listening to me ramble about my ideas of what's going to happen is like oh you nailed it better than i did year of redirection feels exactly right i'm not i wasn't aiming for a whole ton of new things, it's it's more like a refinement of a bunch of things and exactly how I'm going to be spending my energy and where am I putting my efforts and and like this this just feels like the perfect label. So I'm I'm crossing out year of new and writing over it year of redirection. So thank you, Ego Ready, for coming up with that. This makes way more sense as to why year of new didn't mean new projects. Right, exactly. What it's about. It's about doing the same stuff, but doing it differently, like different levels of time going to each of them. Like if you imagine them in in a bar chart, and I'm only thinking of this because I was just looking at a report. Uh, (laughs) It's because it's emblazoned in my brain now to see all those little bars going up and down. It's that, basically. If you had all of your little tasks in a bar chart and just moving them around, right? So like the same amount of time is there, but it's just being moved into different silos. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's also why, like, why does the attempt at several months of time tracking everything, why does that fall under the year of new? That makes no sense. That doesn't fit at all. But year of redirection, oh, it's perfect. It's a perfectly sensible project to take on during that time. Exactly. Because that's how you find out where to redirect. Exactly. You're, you're, you're measuring things. And it, it also lines up with my own 
personal feelings that led me towards this, which was a lot, a lot of monkeying around with schedules for my business over the next year and thinking about how I'm working. It's like, yes, all, all of this lines up much, much, much better with Year of Redirection. So I am ridiculously pleased about this because I really was not entirely satisfied with Year of New and I was even more grumpy listening to myself talk about Year of New on the previous episode. So I am I'm a much happier man right now. This is, you know, this is why you have a podcast where you talk about your work so people can make it better. <laughs> It is, I have to say, it is it is a great little moment of feedback. <laughs> it's like, let me talk about some things in an incoherent way. Uh, maybe one of you can summarize this in a better way. And somebody did. It's nice. On that train, mm-hmm. I mean, it, whilst it is not really practical for all of our listeners to have their own versions of Cortex where they talk to someone about their productivity... Mm-hmm. I would recommend that people in their lives try and find someone they can have these types of conversations with. Because yeah, I know yeah. that I have become better at working since me and you started explaining things to each other. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I have to justify how I think about things. And when I do that, it enables me to make things clearer. Mm-hmm. And also, as, as I, you know, the more I talk about the fact that I'm switching to Todoist but haven't done it, the more I realize that I need to actually do it because otherwise I just keep saying that I'm going to do it. If you can find someone in your life that you can talk to about these things, that's good. Or just spend time in the Cortex subreddit. Honest, like, I'm being serious. Like, because there are people in there who are talking about this stuff with each other. And I think that that's valuable. Yeah, I I really I really have to agree with that and it's like it is a thing that is mutually beneficial to have somebody else that you talk to this stuff about because th- there really is a a process by which when you have to articulate out loud your own reasons for doing a thing you often find that you have been doing a thing without really thinking about it. You were so much nicer than me. I was going to finish a sentence by saying stupidly. <laughs> no, but 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 here's the thing. I, I I really there is a real distinction between doing something stupidly and doing something unintentionally. Mm. And it, it right, it's very very easy to do lots of things in an unintentional manner mm-hmm. and to just not think through the process of why am I doing this thing this way. And am, am I doing it this way because this is the way I did it the first time and I've just repeated that activity all over again? Or like, am I doing this thing because this is the way other people do it? It's like, okay, well, if that's the reason, do other people have a good reason for doing it this way? Or are they doing it just because they see other people doing it, right? It's, it's, it is a, it is hugely valuable to repeatedly and consistently reassess your reasons for why you do something. And when you talk to somebody else about it, there's an accountability that happens when you externalize these thought processes. And it's, I mean, it's funny. I, I actually saw so, uh, someone somewhere on, on the Reddit described this show as like, it, it has turned into like a working journal between the two of us. Oh, wow. That we're coming together every two weeks and we're, we're talking about our work together and then that like the the listener is participating in this like working journal of hearing two people just talk about what they're up to and i thought like that's an interesting that's an interesting way to look at the way this has developed over time and i think it's 
it's pretty accurate. Yeah. And and does have this effect. Like I am really aware that you know there's there's a few things in my own working world that I have changed or worked to change because I realize when I talk about it on the show, it's like, oh, it makes me think about it more. Like I've I've sort of mentioned a number of times like growing frustrations with like getting things done and not necessarily working for me the way that it used to. And it's like and you know, and I make and I'll say this on the show and then that causes me to think about it more, right? Which which has like a little bit of a feedback loop. Uh but yeah, I, I really do think that's the case. And if you can if you can find someone in real life to do this with, it's even better. You know, form a little cortex working group with some people to get together and talk about what you're up to. I, I really do think it is hugely beneficial. Today's episode of Cortex is brought to you by a new sponsor, and that is Movement Watches. Movement was founded on the belief that style shouldn't break the bank. The goal of this watchmaker is to change the way that people think about fashion by offering high-quality, minimalist products at revolutionary prices. And with over half a million watches sold to customers in over 160 countries around the world, Movement Watches have solidified itself as the fastest-growing watch company. Movement Watches was started by two college kids who wanted stylish watches but didn't have the money to pay for them. That's why movement watches start at just $95, which is super cheap and way cheaper than the hundreds of dollars that you'd be looking to pay at a department store. Movement figured out that by selling online directly, they're able to cut out a lot of markup that you'd see in retail stores, and they keep those prices low, and they give those savings to you. Movement watches feature a classic design, quality construction, and style minimalism. Movement wanted to send me a watch, so I took a look at their great selection and picked one out that I like the look of, and I'm really happy with it. It's got a great band and there's a gray watch face with some blue dials and I really love the blue dials. The version I chose is the gunmetal and sandstone leather and I'm really super surprised at how good this looks and feels for the price. Like I am very very surprised about that like genuinely. I was wondering like what is a $135 watch gonna feel like and I'm really surprised. It's got good weight to it. It's packaged beautifully. These are really, really good-looking watches that feel good to wear as well. I mean, I've been wearing an Apple Watch for a while, and I've got to say that wearing something like this has a real nice different feel to it. There's definitely like a different level of class to it that I've been enjoying a lot. Um, And everybody that I've shown it to is super impressive with it as well. So it gets full marks from me as a nice a little accessory, a nice piece of fashion to wear. You can find out more about Movement Watches by going to mvmtwatches.com slash cortex. And because you're a listener of this show, you'll get an amazing 15% off and free shipping and free returns by just going to mvmtwatches.com slash cortex. It's time for you to step up your watch game and join the movement. And hey, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. Could be a great gift for someone. Thank you to Movement Watches for supporting this show and Relay FM. I have a question for you. Maybe this will uh, will be a good entry in the journal. Mm-hmm. Why has it been so long since there's been a video? Like this is not. This, I don't think this has been the longest amount of time. But you were on a real tear for a while. With a, with a bunch of videos. Mm. Some would call it an out-of-character amount of videos for you. 
I would call it an out-of-character number of videos. But we're about, what are we, just over two months? Which, you know, usually, you know, looking at your kind of your, your page here, I guess at the last year, you've had a video every month or two months, and then when it's been two months, there is like a couple of videos or something like that. And uh, again, just from me knowing a little bit about what you do, I don't get a sense that you're knee-deep on a video right now. So I'm just wondering what's going on. Is it like, is are you still got a hangover from Cortexmas? Like what's, what's happening over there? I was just looking through my in-depth private video analysis spreadsheet upon which I record all of the data about all of the things. It is not the longest gap between real videos, but it is, it is rapidly gaining on the longest gap between right. what I consider to be real videos. Do you think it's going to surpass it? Yes. Okay. At this point, if I had to put money on it, and I, of course, have insider knowledge in this betting pool. Yeah, I don't think you could. I think you definitely could not make this bet. <laughs> but see, Mike, bets where you have insider information are the best bets the best to make. Bets, like, yeah. I, yeah, really, yeah. <laughs> I really want there to be like a betting pool about the day that my next video would come out. Because it's like, man, I would just, I would clean house with you that. You really would. Uh but unfortunately, that's not a thing that exists. It would be super upsetting if you didn't. <laughs> yeah, it would be upsetting to me as well to be missing out on all of that. But yeah, no, it it has it has been a very long time. I mean, this is this is one of these things that like I'm not even really I'm not even really sure how to talk about this or even like how how much I want to talk about it because it it comes it comes very close along this this fine edge of what is my personal life and this thing about being a person who does work in public back in november my wife had a very serious repeated number of hospitalizations that were as serious as these things can can possibly be she's fine now she's fine uh just so people know it ended up taking up a large portion of my mental energy managing this situation. When you're self-employed, it's it's great on one hand that you can drop everything and, and focus on what is the most important thing at the moment. But it does also mean that it, there's nobody else to pick up the slack when you yourself are, are not working and so this this has has definitely been a thing which caused some delays. There is no such thing as compassionate leave when you have no employer. <laughs> yeah, that 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 is true. This is something where at, at this moment, had I been just a regular employee, many things would have been much easier in a way. You sort of you get time off. You know, you know everything's running when you're not there, and you you know you come back at at some later point. Uh, but it is definitely a case of. Everything kind of stops if you are the one person who is running your own business. And so I spent uh, a, a large amount of, of energy on the situation. And then not, not surprisingly, I myself became pretty horrifically sick after this for a while. And it's not something I really wanted to discuss at the time. It was something that a few people who are used to the way my voice normally sounds definitely picked up on a couple of those podcasts that were going out in December. Uh, I did see people saying like, 
he doesn't sound so great. And yeah, the, the answer was I, I was, I was not in, uh, I was not in great shape. I think we had to stop one of the Cortex podcasts halfway through. I don't even actually really remember, but it I was a like whole was thing. There was just a whole, <laughs> it was just a big, a big old thing. But yeah, so that's what pe- people ask. That's one of these things that's been happening. I don't necessarily really like to talk about this stuff again, because there's this weird line between being like a public person and a private person. Yeah. So people don't need to know yeah exactly but you feel sometimes not always um you feel um an obligation to be open yeah because like people care about you right well no 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 you gotta you gotta back up there mike i'm gonna disagree with you there All right. uh, I, I actually i actually think that it's part of the hesitation is un, is understand i think it's very important for anybody who does any work in the public space to understand that the audience actually doesn't care about you. There's this big difference between like you, the person who lives your life, and the the you that exists in the audience's mind through the media that you create. That was the you I meant though. It is CGP Grey that they care about. That's what I mean. It's, it is the version of yourself that they interact with, which is not the whole person. Right, it's not it's not the whole person, and yeah. it's it's a thing that's like if uh, I've I've had some conversations with some people where I try to convince them very hard about this, where it's like you have to you have to understand as as a public person, it's like like I am very aware that when people listen to the podcasts, they're not listening to the podcasts because it's me. People listen to podcasts because they get some kind of enjoyment or some sort of entertainment out of it or some value out of it. Right, that's the reason that people listen to podcasts. And it's the same. It's the same thing with the videos. Like, why why do people subscribe to my YouTube channel to watch my videos? It's because they derive some sort of enjoyment and entertainment out of the videos that I produce. Like, and 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 that's where what the audience cares about comes from. And I, f- I feel like sometimes talking about personal stuff is like blurring a line that often the audience doesn't even necessarily want to have blurred. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, and so that's why it's like, while all of this stuff was going on, I just, I didn't really want to talk about it at all because it's like, I'm much more comfortable just like mentioning that like a thing has occurred and that I'm on the other side of it and it's over. And this is why there was a delay as opposed to saying, Oh, I'm in the middle of a terrible thing right now. Uh-huh. Right, because you know what? It's not fun to listen to on a podcast. People don't need to know. Yeah, and people don't need to know. There's nothing they can do. Yeah, it's cool. You know. Yeah, that's why I didn't feel like I really wanted to talk about these things. But we are mentioning it now. Like norm- normally, I'm very happy just having there be like a big gap between the videos. Like I have, I have intentionally set up my career in such a way so that big gaps between videos are a normal thing. Like nobody's super surprised when there's a big gap between CGP Grey videos. The expectation is there will be a gap. Exactly. Which is the inverse to most people. Exactly. Yeah. I'm always playing with fire with that YouTube algorithm with these big gaps, which I think one day will come to bite me in the ass. Uh, but hopefully not not today. But I do just want to mention it on on this show because I feel like there have been some times because we are having this like meeting and discussing our work where I've been sort of talking around a thing in a way that doesn't make it helpful or clear to the listener. 
And so I think that was one of the things that was also happening on the last show about like, why was I doing a bad job of explaining Year of New? Is because I felt like I was talking around a thing that I didn't really want to directly talk about. And so I think that's why we're just mentioning it now. To to generalize out to the listener, though, I do I do think that there's there's something to be aware of and and to just to just really like learn from from something like this, which is like I had this really rough time, but as as far as these things go, I could not have been better prepared for it because this is the kind of thing that if you're self-employed, you sort of have to set up the business to be like this and to be ready for the possibility of you having to step away from stuff for a while. And so this this is part of the reason why, like, my YouTube channel is run in this particular way where the videos come up somewhat randomly, because I am aware that the process of creating them is is not building widgets. And sometimes there are delays, and that's just built into the system. And I've said before, one one of, one of by far and away, the best decisions and probably costliest decisions I have ever made was to switch the patronage on my YouTube channel from billing monthly to billing when a video goes out. And even then, not every video, only the videos that I select. I cannot tell you what a huge mental relief that was, like especially during this time. And it's like that is a decision that has has paid paid if not actual monetary dividends like working life dividends because then i feel like i am not i am not taxing the people upon which my living depends mm-hmm. needlessly yep right because there would have been what like two or three payments come out right exactly there there would have been something like three payments for what should have been three videos and nothing and you know, my my patron was was briefly set up like that in the very beginning, and I loathed it. I hated it. Like it made it made my life unhappy. I hated the feeling of a billing going out and people getting nothing in return. As I, I just I loathed it. And but but here's the thing: one of the things that occurred when I was doing those changes is I realized, okay, if I'm going to do this, what I need to have in place is a bigger emergency fund so I can get through potentially longer periods of time. And it was also then thinking about some kind of income diversification, which ended up being podcasts, like the very podcast that I'm talking on right now. And what, like, what is one of the big advantages of doing a podcast? One of the huge advantages, especially if you're working with Mike, is it's a hell of a lot less work than producing a YouTube video. This is not a recommendation, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> and this, this is this is the thing. It's like okay, even during uh, like a rough time, I can still make some podcasts because doing podcasts is much easier. And so this is the kind of thing of like structuring a business to be okay, even if you're not doing great. And so it's like, okay, CGP Grey hasn't made a video in a long time, but there's still content coming out. Like there's still podcasts coming out. And for the nature of my business, I think that that is an important thing to not just drop off the face of the earth for six months and then, you know, then pop back up later. And 
I, I mentioned this and I think it's important to mention because this is the hard part about being self-employed is really being able to prepare yourself for these kinds of things and being able to structure your business in such a way so that it's ready to absorb these sorts of problems. And I think sometimes there are, are people who want to become self-employed and they're only ever thinking of all of the upsides. But you really have to be aware of how much your life is in your own hands when you're self-employed. And, and like that is in the best of all possible ways and that is also in the worst of all possible ways. So it is like it is a it is a big, big scary decision that you really have to be prepared for. I am lucky in that I have a co-founder, mm-hmm. and my co-founder has me. So yeah. our business has two people. If one person cannot do something, by and large, the other person is able to to pick that up. And part of the thinking for me in us getting an assistant to help with arranging and dealing with with sponsors is another part of that because that's one of the things that, that I have the majority of visibility over and it would be great to have the companies that we work with familiar with another person in the process that mm-hmm. if they can't get a hold of me there's someone mm-hmm. that they can talk to mm-hmm. so like this is another step in that and it's some, I mean, you know, we could just have Stephen do this, but that's not the way that we want to do it. We want to kind of broaden it out and make some of this not the stuff that we do. But another thing that comes as a benefit of that is having this other person who has visibility on the process to help deal with things when we can't. Mm-hmm. So there is a, a benefit there. And also, you know, with all of my shows, having co-hosts, there is another person who can help. There is another person that can put more time in, mm-hmm. um, and or in in many cases, there is another person who can host a show with somebody else. They can they can get I can get someone to fill in for me, and it can just carry on as normal. So there are you know my my business is structured a little better than your video part of the business in that way. So you say mm-hmm. with the podcast part, you can lean on me if you need to, and I'll I'll pick up the reins and do more mm-hmm. if you need it. But with the videos, so much of it comes from you. I mean, and you have your animator now who helps, but there's nobody at the start process. There's nobody in the script writing process. It is just you. Mm-hmm. And that is a, a huge bottleneck. You know, you discussed the, the, the way Relay is set up. Like, And I've, I've been a listener long enough that, I, that you can definitely be aware, like, oh, there's times when you or Steven are there more or less, mm-hmm. like, and it's it's... You know that that that's how these things work, and the machine of relay is you know vast beyond just you, Mike. Now, and and that is mm-hmm. definitely an, an advantage. But yeah, if, if you're like a freelancer and it's just you, uh, like that that is a occasionally precarious situation. And yeah. yeah, the YouTube videos are like being a freelancer. I don't need to be on the air for the company to be making money anymore, and that wasn't how it was when it started. Right, right, and that is a good thing. Oh yeah, yeah. It 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 totally is. It totally is a good thing. But yeah, without without a doubt, for my YouTube channel, uh, the script writing process is the biggest bottleneck. Like it has always been the biggest bottleneck, and 
until I bring on some apprentices, right? It's it's always going to be the biggest bottleneck. Please do not send any submissions in for this job application. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's always fun to mess around in the Reddit. Uh-huh. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at Casper, the company focused on sleep, who's created the perfect mattress that it sells directly to consumers, eliminating commission-driven inflated prices and also the need to go to a store to buy one. Casper's award-winning mattress is developed in an incredible box that you can just have delivered to your home and you can get it up the stairs easily and get that mattress out, put it on your bed and get ready to sleep on it. The mattress was developed in-house by Casper's engineers. They spent thousands of hours developing it. It's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It has a sleek design made of supportive memory foam. It has just the right sink and just the right bounce, and it regulates your temperature throughout the night because it's designed to be breathable. Casper makes quality mattresses at great prices. They're designed and developed and assembled even in the United States of America. They have cut the hassle on costs of dealing with showrooms. They pass those savings directly to you. No longer do you have to charge yourself down to the showroom, sit on the bed, and see if that mattress is right for you. You'll get this mattress delivered to you, and you can try it out for yourself. And what's so great about that is Casper have removed the risk of this. You can get a Casper mattress delivered to you for free, and if you don't like it, return for free as well. They'll come and take it away from you if you live in the US or Canada. It's a 100-night home trial. So for 100 nights, you get to try this mattress out and see if it's the right one for you. They deliver it for free. If you don't like it, they'll take it away for free as well. Casper understands the importance of letting you sleep on that mattress before you commit. You can get $50 towards any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash Cortex and using the code Cortex. Terms and conditions apply. Thank you so much to Casper for their support of this show. We have identified that the script writing is... Maybe the 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 biggest issue here, in that it is currently something that you you don't have any help with, help with in your mm-hmm. whole pantheon of work. Ooh, pantheon. I know it's the best thing I could think of at the time. I like that. Every other area is there is somebody else involved. Mm-hmm. Podcast editing, podcast production, animation, posting, everything mm-hmm. else has another person now, which touches it, affects it, and can pick up slack from you. Mm-hmm. Now, there is one big issue with with script writing that I don't think we've ever touched on before, mm-hmm. which is writer's block. Are you CGP Grey currently suffering from writer's block? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that. Are you writing any scripts? Okay, so <laughs> I don't believe in the existence of writer's block. However, I'm currently struggling to write. No, that's, okay, so that's that's a different thing. Look at you, Mike. You're trying to frame this in a particular way that I disagree with already. I've, I've, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> when I said before, like, oh, you have like big disasters, like are made of multiple things. Uh, all of this stuff happened right around the time that I was experiencing much more like what I would describe as a kind of burnout. There was a running joke in the Reddit where people are like, oh, wow, look at this new piece of content. And I would say... Don't get used to it. And they're like, ah, no, the content will keep coming forever. It's like, no, people, it won't. Because I, I was really aware. Like, 2016 was it was a very interesting year in, in my working life. It was the most successful year in, in my working life thus far. And it was also, in terms of years where I have been self-employed, it was the year that had by far and away the most deadlines in it of some kind 
Anytime there's like sponsorships, there's some kind of deadlines. There are other deadlines behind the scenes that people don't see. These two things, I think, are are very much related, like deadlines and the financial success of the business. Between videos, podcasts every other week, uh, some other things behind the scenes, 2015 Gray signed 2016 Gray up for too many things. God's a jerk. This is just it, right? Like 2015 Gray is like, ah, 2016 Gray, he'll, he'll be fine handling all of these things. Mm-hmm. And by the end of the year, sort of after the rules for rulers video, I was really feeling like, man, it has been just like too much too constantly. And, and that's where I said, like starting in the summer, when I was doing a little summer review, I was already making plans and, and scheming for a 2017 that would have fewer deadlines in a whole bunch of different ways. Cause I was like, this year is great for the business, but it is not a sustainable thing for me over the long term. Like this, this can't go on forever uh, because I will just be totally burned out. And so I like almost made it to the end of the year, but but around November time, I was beginning to feel like I am I am just a little burned out from this schedule that I have set for myself. This is this is too much. And then the things I mentioned before happened. And so the, the combination of, of those two things have es- essentially meant that, like, I have done almost no productive writing work. That's the situation uh, that I was in really just a, up until just a few days ago, sort of, is, is like also dealing with the fallout from like a kind of burnout from over overscheduling. But what? I mean, were the ideas there, were you burnt out from a creation perspective or just burnt out from a production perspective? I don't really understand what the difference is between those things. Well, I mean, if you're burnt out from an idea's perspective, you're sitting down to do something and you can't do anything. But if you're just burnt out from a production perspective, you're having ideas, but you just don't have the desire to sit down and actualize them. Hmm. It seems like a distinction without a difference. Um, I think it's a clear difference, but yeah. <laughs> well, well, the thing is, like, I have I have a a long list of prioritized and order ordered ideas for the videos that I want to make, right? And there's like, okay, I have a like a top five list of like, here's the next videos that I want to do. Uh, I have tons of notes on them and and stuff to work on them. But the difference is like, what what I think is an interesting phenomenon is. What I have come to call over my working life a bounce rate. And so, so this, is, this is the way I think about going into work in the mornings is get up, going in, like I'm going to go write something. This is the first thing that I try to do in the day. And some mornings, I just, I kind of bounce off the work. This is the, this is the best word I have come up with to describe this phenomenon. People always talk about something like procrastination. This word holds no real value for me. I I don't think the things that people are talking about when they talk about procrastination are the thing that I'm doing. I'm in the office and I want to write, but I just sort of don't. And, but I'm there, like I'm all, like I'm all set, like the routine has gone and just nothing happens. And for the entirety of, of my writing life, this has always been a thing that occurs sometimes. 
And so I think of it as like a bounce rate that if you are doing any kind of creative work, there is going to be some portion of bouncing off of that work. Mm. Like, oh, you went in to do the thing, but nothing happened. It's like, why? Because creativity is mysterious. I see what's going on here. Oh, yeah? What's going on here? It's like you're applying your logic to these situations. Mm -hmm. Your logic is accurate in what you're saying. I agree with it. But what you are calling bounce rate, people call writer's block like you are sitting to produce a script and on that day maybe that week nothing is coming and you're just Mm -hmm. chalking it down to this is fine this is normal this is how it goes people categorize it as writer's block i think when they feel like the situation is dire and or out of their hands but you consider it as something which is part of the creation process and you're fine with it. That's how I'm reading this situation. Yeah, I guess. I guess because I think it it's out of my hands, but not dire at all. Like, it's just part of the thing. Like, it's just part of the process. But this is just maybe the way that you are good at detaching emotion from situations. Like, that is a, a good skill that you have mm-hmm. in that you're able to just be like, this is fine. Where other people would maybe worry about it more. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right about that. I guess it's also it's also a thing that I am I am aware of always like comes and goes in various waves. <laughs> yeah, but a lot of people worry that one at one point it's never gonna go. Right? That the the, the block comes and that's it. Right? I think that is a fear that people have about their work. Yeah, but that's why they should diversify their business into podcasting. Right, but this, this is what... <laughs> but did you see what I mean, though? It's like you you see things... You see things the way that you see things, and the, the exact same thing that somebody else sees, but they, they react to it differently. Hmm. Right? I feel like my way of thinking about this is correct and superior. Your way is rational, and not everybody is as rational as you. I mean, I would be very curious to hear from other people who do any kind of creative work uh like what like what they're like how they internalize it because it's very interesting like I, I happen to be like because of because of my line of work uh i happen to be in a position where i can have conversations with other successful people who do creative work in various fields like and i, I do find it interesting that o- almost everybody who does this kind of thing has their own way of describing what is it that they're doing that's like specific to them and i and i feel like oh even even that must be part of the process like it's a it's such a strange thing to try to produce any kind of creative output that is going to be consumed by a large number of people that it, i think it ends up becoming a very internalized process for anybody who's doing it and then like everybody has their own like weird language or description of of how they do these things and i I feel like this using this word bounce like this is this just feels like oh it's the word in my brain that feels like the right thing that is like go into the office but sort of like bounce out of the office and like oh nothing occurred okay well it's it's like a it's like a batting average you know it's just like well you're expecting to do perfect things every time 
well, you're crazy. No, nobody does that. Nobody you ever have spoken to does that. It's it's like bizarre beyond rationality to expect some kind of perfect hit rate every single time. All right, but here's the thing, right? Mm-hmm. There are there are people that work differently to you and have different schedules and have, I would say, maybe luxuries in the way that they work, which means that they have to be creative but can't treat it like this is fine, the work will come. Mm-hmm. So I'll use two examples. I will use me, mm-hmm. and then I will use general person who works in creative field for their job as in, in, a, in a company. Mm-hmm. So I'll start with me. There is an off joke, like an often told joke on this show, that I love schedules. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily love schedules, but I choose that my business will run on one. Mm-hmm. I make the choice because that makes more sense to me. It's easier to plan. My mm-hmm. shows run on schedules. Sorry, all of my podcasts, they run on schedules. And that makes it easier for me to book advertising in a way that I'm comfortable with. It's not mm-hmm. necessary, but I figure it to be, for me, a, a more realistic way of getting my work done. There are times when a show is looming and I have no idea. I have no inspiration. Mm-hmm. I have no topics. Mm-hmm. Some weeks there is no news. Mm. What do you do? So I work in a couple of different ways. Sometimes I despair <laughs> because there is nothing and right. I have nothing planned. Sometimes I work in advance in that if I am feeling particularly inspired, I will make notes. And I have this for all of my shows, lots of notes of ideas and planned out topics. Like I have topics that I have had planned out for this show in outline form for over a year. Mm. And they sit there waiting to either be pulled in at a time when one of us is inspired to talk about that thing or at a time when we have no other inspiration of any kind that is drawing us towards something. So I have these planned out things that are ready. So for someone like me who goes through these problems um, but is able to work in, in, in the way that I work, I will have things kind of in the chamber ready to be pulled in. But there are definitely times when I don't. And there are times when I am lucky in the type of work that I do that I can ask our audience, what do you want to hear me talk about? Mm. And that is a, a very valuable thing. So like that is a thing for me where it's like I have decided I want to be my work to be on a schedule that there is a an expectation set by a calendar as to when the work will be completed. Mm-hmm. And I have understood that, and I have tried to use my experience to build the business the way that I want, right? So that, that, is, a, that is a difference to you, but a solution. But there is another option, so like the, the, the third root of this, which is person who is creative, but for somebody else. Like they, they work in a job, and they are employed, and they have to be creative, what, mm-hmm. is, what does that person do? And, and that is tricky because I'm very aware of that, that not everybody has the luxuries to choose the things that they want to do in the way that we do. So if somebody is burnt out, they haven't taken a vacation in a while and they're being mm-hmm. given a thing that they're not very passionate about, that is a real problem, right? That they have expectations put on them and mm-hmm. they have timelines 
and they have deadlines and they have people that want things in a certain way and they aren't able to just be like, nah, I'm going to wait until it comes to me because maybe it's due in a week. That's tricky, right? I, I think it's it's terrible the way many professions treat creative employees. Like it's just a faucet. Yeah, exactly. Like they're like they're in they're in a you know they're in a factory cranking out widgets all day, and widgets are beautiful ideas, right? That are new in the world. It's like okay, well that, that's not how it works. And what what I think is is so interesting is how many creative fields have a very natural ebb and flow to them. Like if you talk to anybody who works in TV and movie writing, that that is a prime example like why do why like why do tv seasons exist one of the huge reasons is you can't have a script writing team just working all year right that it's just like they just can't do it and if you if you make them do it you get terrible tv at the end of it because it's like you're gonna burn out your writers if you ask them to write every day for the whole rest of the year uh like it's i find it interesting that like lots of creative areas have this kind of ebb and flow like it's a very it's a very natural thing, and it is something that I am aware. Again, I am the most fortunate person in the world in this position. But but let's say like I am aware that uh, let's just say like a lot of people who work on YouTube, like YouTube does not have any kind of ebb and flow to it. Everything about the way YouTube is set up is almost like an employer uh, who constantly wants new things produced all the time. And it's like, I, I think that for individual creators, that's, that's not necessarily a great thing over the long run. Uh, and I think that that's also why I do, I do know some, uh, some channels that sort of like rotate out teams of people who are producing content for them. Smart. But yeah, because it's, it's the same thing. Like you, you're going to burn out people if you're asking them to just work all of the time. And this is a thing that you see on YouTube sometimes where where various creators will have to put up a video of like, I'm really sorry, but like, you know, it's just been, it's been too much for too, you know, and it's like they, they kind of are forced to take a break because they push themselves like too far and, and too fast. And like that, that is very much the thing that I'm like, I'm totally trying to avoid is like, I never want to do that. I want to do stuff at a sustainable pace. But that means I can't possibly treat it like stuff's going to come out at the exact right time every time. Like it, it just, I think creative work fundamentally doesn't work like that. And I, I would say I, I do not view employers who who treat it that way in a in a very favorable light. I think that's the that's the wrong way to look at this kind of work. When I started my YouTube channel, I was treating it very much like all of my other work in that I would have a schedule that I would adhere to, and it was mm-hmm. basically weekly. Um, I have since just decided to myself that I'm go- not going to do it that way, um, and that I'm going to maybe be a little bit more like you in that I am I am treating this as a, as a project, but I don't want to just be pumping out content. I want to make things when I have an inspiration to do so. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm doing now with my with my YouTube channel. So like I I have I have seen that and I, it's something that I'm trying to be comfortable with because I'm not comfortable with it, um, just because of my my working routines. Let, let me let me tell you something, Mike. Even if you have very different working routines, say your working routines are much more like mine, 
it is still a deeply uncomfortable thing to not have regular output. That is that is one of the trade-offs for this is, mm-hmm. is you still feel that. Like I'm I'm still always aware that there is an audience there that wants a thing. Yep. It's always it's always going to be uncomfortable. But obviously I think it's a I think it's a very good decision to not build in a regular schedule. I don't need another one. Yeah, you you don't need another one. And I mean, just just in general, for anybody who, who's doing the YouTube stuff, like this is this is one case where I, I like I deeply disagree with YouTube's standard advice to new creators. Where like, make sure you have a schedule and teach your audience that you upload it every Tuesday at five o'clock, right? And it's like I I so I so strongly disagree with that as as a piece of advice. Like, I, I don't think it's a good idea to upload a video just because this is the time where you're supposed to upload a video. I, I I really I really deeply disagree with that, and like I am I am glad to hear that you are also going to go down the path of not feeling like every Sunday at eight there's going to be a new episode of the Mike Hurley show. I also want to offer a couple of pieces of advice mm-hmm. for people who work in a creative field as part of an organization. If you are feeling like this level of burnout, there's one thing that you should could try and do. Pay attention to the people that you are delivering your work to and try and notice from them what they consider to be the base level of acceptance. And sometimes try and work just to that. Like, have have a real sense for what... You know, if, if you're turning in something you don't think is very good and they seem okay with it, just pay mm-hmm. attention to what that looks like. Because later when you need to just turn something out mm-hmm. you then might have a better understanding for what might fly mm-hmm. because a lot of times people that are creative are turning in work to people that are not creative by nature mm-hmm. so you might find depending on where you work that people are impressed by something that you don't find impressive and maybe you can just target that that is great advice. That's great advice. If your boss is a creative person, he might be fucked. Uh, yeah. like this. Or you might be more creative than them, huh? That is possible. Yeah. Uh, but definitely tougher. But I also think it's great advice for any kind of job. Anyway, like be aware of what the acceptable level is. Like that, that's your actual target. I would say that maybe if you're if you are creative and you work for a creative person, they may understand more. Mm, yeah, that is possible. And that they may that they're more likely to get it. And that, mm-hmm. that you might be able to have some open conversations with them when you're in this type of situation. Another thing mm-hmm. that I will just recommend is that one of the ways to break out of burnout is to change things up, is to like refocus your mind. And mm-hmm. if you have a project at work, you can't just turn in something different. Like That's not how mm-hmm. it works. But what you could do is maybe start a new side project or hobby that helps get your creative juices flowing in mm-hmm. something that's less high stakes than the work that mm-hmm. you're supposed to be working on and that you can work at at a time when you're not supposed to be working. And it might help you kind of get back into the creative mode again. There's some there's some, there's some, some things that I learned from trying to be creative inside of an organization that didn't care for creativity. All right, so have you been doing anything specifically to help you kind of break through into making videos again? <laughs> 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 or is this it now? I don't know. Like, are we done? <laughs> no, we're not done, Mike. Uh, <laughs> but what I what I have what I have done, and what I always is find is like 
the the break glass in case of emergency uh, creativity stuff is bringing out the old paper and a pen. Oh, my favorite! I thought you might like that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so in in the past week or so, I've been feeling like, okay, I've been going into the office, I've been trying to do work, but the bounce rate is just unacceptably high, and I'm trying to do a bunch of different things, and blah, blah, blah. But the thing that works for me in the end is essentially giving my brain no options in the world except to do the thing that I want it to do. I feel like this is a key thing about productivity and like trying to accomplish anything. It's not about motivation. It's not about knuckling down and working hard. It's about tricking your brain and constraining options. And so uh, what I have been doing is I have been going to a, a, a different and new cafe with just a, just a pad of, of legal paper and a pen and literally nothing else except headphones connected to a song I can loop on my watch. It's like, okay, brain, you and me, we're going to sit here. And we're going to sit here and we cannot leave until you have done two hours of writing. It's like, I don't care what you write, brain. I don't care at all. But we're not leaving until this happens. And it's like, guess what? Under these circumstances where there's literally nothing else in the world to do, eventually something will come out. And it's like, okay, I'm just going to start re- writing a stream of consciousness here. And it's like, this is, this is all we need to do. We're just going to get the hand moving, and that's it. And this is, this is always my like last resort trick into trying to boot myself back into having a, a better actually writing rate. So this is a thing I've been working on for a little while, and it's pulling me out of it. And it is just, it is my, my ultimate kind of last trick is to give the brain no options. You have to do the thing, brain. That, that's all there is. However, th- there's a thing that, that like the listener might ask, which is, why don't you just do this right from the start? And I think a key, a key thing about creative work is being aware of like, when do you need to step back for a little while? And... When I was first aware that like my my bounce rate was just way too high and I wasn't getting any quality writing work done at all, it's like okay, this this is a time not to push it. Like don't don't push it too hard when you're not going to get anything out. Like it feels like you could break something here when it's just not going to happen. And so what I did and what I was kind of alluding to last episode is this thing where I have spent a very significant part of January essentially breaking down the entirety of how do I work? What are my systems around work? How do I use task management? How do I organize notes? Breaking down absolutely everything to nothing and starting over. And spending a lot of the the time that I would normally be writing, thinking very intentionally about how do I work, what am I working towards, doing a very intense seasonal review, and trying to think of how to structure a 2017 that is a great 2017 
and also sustainable. So that's what I've been that's what I've been doing. And I would love to talk about that more, but we've been talking for a very long time, Mike. Are we going to leave this episode on a cliffhanger? Is that what this is? I think it might be. This is unprecedented. Next time on Cortex.